Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call your attention to the book of Luke, chapter number 12. The book of Luke, chapter number 12. We're looking at this morning the parable of the wise and unwise servant. And if we were to do like most times are done, we don't have a clear understanding. Because most of the time, if this was to be read, or this was to be discussed, or this was to be talked about, we would pick up the reading in verse number 41. And that's what we're going to do this morning. But you know, by past experience, we're going to look way back beyond that as we look at this passage of Scripture. But I, want, I do want to pick up a reading in verse number 41. We'll read down through verse number 48, and then we'll pray and get into the message. Verse number 41, the Bible said, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, who his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servant and the maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of the servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required, and of him whom men have committed much, of him they shall ask the more. Let's pray. 
Father, this morning we thank you for the opportunity to be here in the house of God. We pray that you would make your word swift, that it may be a word passing from our ear to our heart, and from our heart to the lips of conversation. Lord, I pray that you would use your word this morning, that it would not return void, that it not return empty. But Lord, may your word accomplish that which you send it forth to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If we were just to take the verses of Scripture that I've read this morning and we were try to try to explain those verses without having a clear understanding of what Jesus has previously said, it would be difficult. Even Spurgeon made the statement, he said, I do not pretend to understand all of the entirety of these verses. It would be difficult to understand them if you did not look back at what was going on. So I want to do that this morning so that we get a clear understanding of what Jesus is saying in these verses as he's talking about the wise and the unwise servants. And in order for us to do that, we must go all the way back to verse number 13. Jesus picks up in verse number 13 and he's dealing with a group of people and he tells stories. He tells them things that are happening, things that are going on. And he begins here in verse number 13 and he said, One of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Many times there have been people that came to the Lord Jesus Christ and they wanted him to they wanted him to be the judge or the lawyer that would decide the the matters that they'd bring to him. This is no different. So he comes to him and he says, Lord, Master, I want you to tell my brother that he needs to share is basically what he's telling him. It would be almost like maybe one of the younger brothers coming to Jeffrey and saying, you need to tell Reese that he needs to share. Understand the custom during that time and during that period. Many times the firstborn would probably end up with, if not more than, he would at least end up with two-thirds of the inheritance that was there. You say that seems unfair. That was the custom. That's what went on. This brother came to him and said, Master, I need you to tell my brother to share with me. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. 
For a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things that he possesseth. Jesus is beginning to deal with something here. And we're going to see that as we walk down through this passage of Scripture. He tells them in verse number 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Understand what's happening here. And you and I know what Jesus is getting ready to tell them. But this man has, things have been bountiful for him. They've been plentiful. The ground has been good to him. He's, he's had lots of, of goodness. And he has nowhere else to store any of the fruits. His concern is there's still more fruit out there that needs to be put away. So he begins to become anxious on, I've got this much laid up and I've got more that I need to lay up. What shall I do with it? And he begins to come up with the idea. And in fact, it's kind of interesting, and I heard someone make this statement. Uh, it's kind of interesting. He did, not, he did not say to his wife, Wife, we've got plenty of goods. We've got plenty of fruits. Where shall we lay these up? He said, Soul. You and I understand that what he's got laid up is not for the soul. And that's what Christ is about ready to tell him. For he makes this statement in verse number 20. But God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. You're making all these plans. You've gotten anxious over all these plans. And you're making these plans to do this and that, to be able to store up more. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and not rich toward God. Now, how many times have we even heard that preached? And that talked about that we, we don't lay up things here on earth. This, this, is not, this is not Christ telling you that you can't have a Roth IRA. This is not Christ telling you that you should not contribute to your 401k. This is not Christ telling you that you don't purchase gold and silver and lay those things up so you're taken care of. That's not what Christ is saying. 
He's saying in perspective. Keep things in perspective. He said, he asked him the question, he said, if you do that, who shall they be? Because tonight your soul's going to be required of you. Who was it that the, that the, the man was, was talking to? He said, soul, we've got plenty. Soul's getting ready to leave. Soul's leaving town. Soul's moving out. And when soul moves out, everything dies. It stops. So he told him, he said, your perspective isn't right. And he goes on into, began to deal with something. He started dealing with it here, but he goes on and begins to dig a little deeper. And he says in verse number 22, and he said unto his disciples, therefore, I say unto you, therefore what? Because of what I just told you. Because of the story that I just conveyed to you, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, neither what, neither for the body what it shall put on. For life is more than meat, and the body more than raiment. He goes on to tell them, consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubic? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take thought for the rest? He said, consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? He goes on to tell them in verse number 29, And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, Neither be ye doubtful mind of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Our Father knows and understands we need some things to exist. And God will provide those. That does not mean that God will not allow us to Store up some things that God gives us extra. God will allow us to do that. But he tells them here in verse number 31, But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things, what things? The things he just talked about. 
Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in heavens that falleth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Christ is laying a foundation here that we're not to be anxious about all of these things. As God allows us to have those things, as we have opportunity to store some of those things, yes, store them up. But don't let that be our driving force. Let our, let our focus, and, and I can't say this enough, every time that we misunderstand these parables, every time that we misunderstand what Christ is saying, it is because our focus gets off. The focus was off and, and Christ is trying to draw the focus back into what it needs to be so that they understand what is going on. He tells them here in verse number 35, Let your loins be girt about and your lights burning. Basically, Christ is telling them here and would be telling us in terms that you and I can understand, be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That's the most important thing. The most important thing is not what we have to lay up. Is it wrong to lay up? No, it's not wrong to lay up. It's, it's, it's God's gift to us to give us those things that we can lay up. And by the way, if you have anything to lay up, you did not accomplish that on your own. God gave that to you by giving you the breath to work, by giving you the ability to work. And those things that you lay up should be seen as that gift of God. And he's telling them the most important thing to understand is that your loins be girt about and that your light be burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding and when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are the servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. This is what Christ is going to do for us. He's going to gird himself. He is going to serve us. What a turn. That the one that, if, if it were you and I, if we were in the position of Christ, we would be looking for our subjects to bow. We would be looking for our subjects to, to be thankful and to worship us. 
But Christ is going to come. He's going to gird himself and he is going to serve us. And if he shall come in the second watch or in the third watch or find them so blessed are those servants. There again, he's dealing with their anxiety. He's dealing with their anxiousness about things. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Heard someone make this statement. I thought it was pretty good. The statement was that here Jesus Christ is almost almost depicting himself as the thief. He's the master that's going to come back and he's the master that's coming back when we know not. He's coming when we don't know. He came the first time and did what? He stole away the sins of man. The sins that didn't belong to him, he stole them away. He took them to himself. He nailed them upon the cross. And when he comes the second time, he's going to steal his saints. He's going to take them from this world. It's It's almost comical that we'd find Christ referring to himself almost as the thief in this story. He's the master and yet the thief. He's the thief because we are not looking for him. Because we're not, we're not looking toward the kingdom of God. We're not keeping our focus in the right place. We're not having our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells them here in verse number 40, He said, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when ye think not. Then we pick up in the scripture that we read this morning. And here's what takes place. In verse number 41, Peter, the spokesman for the group, speaks up. I don't know whether all of the disciples got together and had their own conference. Whether they went to Peter and said, Now Peter, we don't understand what's going on. Can you get more clarity? But Peter comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse number 41, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, the disciples? Or even to all. (laughs) So Jesus says, Okay, you ask. Now let me make it clear as mud. He begins the story that we see here. What you and I need to understand is Jesus is trying to clarify for Peter and for the disciples All of the things that he's just spoken about. All of the things he's just talked about. 
The problem that we have in this passage of Scripture, and I'll be honest with you, I read it over and over and looked at it over and over and, and considered it over and over. And, and, and to be honest with you, I had some difficulty with these verses until I come to the point of understanding completely what Jesus is doing. What is he doing? Jesus is giving Peter hypotheticals. He's placing hypotheticals out there. So what we do most of the time when we come to this passage of Scripture is we, we try to look at this as different servants. That's not what Jesus is doing. He is depicting what a servant looks like when they're doing this. The servant that's being talked about, the servant that's being mentioned down through these verses of scriptures, number one is a hypothetical servant. And this hypothetical servant, Jesus is saying, okay, if it is this way, this is what's going to happen. And if it is this way, this is what's going to happen. And it is, if it is this way, this is what's going to take place. He was telling them about the same servant. But that servant looking at things in different ways. That servant seeing things in different ways. If, if you're not careful and you take this passage of Scripture and you try to put it in its own nutshell and you try to look at it by itself, Jesus has just talked to the disciples about what? About their anxiety about their anxiousness, about laying up and not laying up. He's talked about a, a person that laid up goods and he had plenty and he was going to tear down his barns and he was going to build up more barns and he was going to lay up store. And Christ told him, he said, Thy fool, thy soul shall be required of thee. And what if thy soul is required of thee? What's going to happen to all your goods? He was trying to get people to see it is not looking after the affairs of this world. That does not mean that we don't live in this world. That does not mean that we don't take care of the affairs of this world. But when the affairs of this world is our focus, our focus is in the wrong place. Right. When we get our focus on the Master, then all of these other things. What did he say? He said that he'd give you first the kingdom and all these other things shall be added unto you. If our focus is on Christ and our focus is on God and our focus is on the kingdom of God, then all of these other things are going to fall into the right place. But he begins to walk down through here and he begins to tell Peter after Peter asked the question, he said, Lord, are you talking to us or are you talking to everybody? <laughs> I can't imagine Peter coming up and saying, I don't understand. Can't <laughs> explain. I mean... Uh, those of us that are, are, are the right age, we can understand somebody coming in saying, Splain, Lucy. Yeah. 
Peter is saying, Lord, I need you to explain. And the Lord almost, I can almost imagine the Lord looks at Peter and said, I just got through explaining. Now you need more? So he begins to explain this. He tells them in verse number 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? The Lord is talking about here, he's talking about his servants. Those with whom are are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He said, Blessed is the servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Doing what? Keeping the focus in the right place. Not doing what we're doing. because The, the problem with most of this is, is that most of those servants were doing because they were afraid of the master. We don't do because we're afraid of the master. We do because we love the master. Angie and I were talking the other day and, and Angie made the statement or asked the question. She said, what is love? Is it an action or is it a feeling? And I sat there for a while, and, and any, anyone that knows me really well knows that I don't answer questions just, I don't just blurt out answers. <laughs> my, my children, when they were at home, a lot of times they would ask questions and, and they would almost walk off before I'd ever give them an answer. And the reason is because my brain just don't run that rapid. I've got to stop and think and try to answer the question as, as correctly as I can answer it. So when, when that question was asked of me, what is love? And, and talking about our love for Christ, what is love? Is it a feeling or is it an action? My answer to that question is no. It's neither. It is love that produces the action. It is not action that produces the love. It is love that produces the feeling. It is not the feeling that produces the love. If it was the feeling that produces the love, that is the reason so many people today said, I don't love you anymore. Because you made me mad and I don't feel the same way toward you. Because you're not doing enough for me, I don't love you anymore. Love is. God is love and love is God. And for us to love, then, then it is not an action. It's not something that we're, we're, we're doing in order to, to gain that love, love is what produces. It produces the action. It produces the feeling. 
And and in light of that, this this matter of our waiting on the servant, many of these many of these that are depicted down through this passage of scripture, many of these are afraid of the master coming home. Well, if you if that love is is seen, if that if the love of the master for the servant is seen, then it's easy for the servant to love the master. Just like our relationships as husbands and wives, we don't do what we do to prove our love to one another. We do what we do because we love one another. I love my wife because my wife loves me. My wife loves me because I love my wife. And that produces those actions toward one another. And if it's built any other way, it won't stand. It don't last. But that way it lasts. So understand that Jesus is telling Peter, he said, and the Lord said in verse number 42, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, who his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is the servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find doing. How is he going to find him doing? Because he's loving the servant. He's loving the master. And then he tells them in verse number 44, he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But look in verse number 45. But and if, here's the hypothetical. Christ says, but and if that servant, what servant? The servant he just got through talking about. That servant that we just got through looking at is the picture of the servant that is in love with the Lord and the Lord is in love with that servant. Now Christ says, I want to paint you another picture. He's not telling about a whole different person. He's just saying, the servant. You want to know about the servant. You want to know who this is for. I'm telling you who it's for. It's for those that hear and understand where they are. He says there in verse number 45, But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and the maidens, and to eat and drink and be drunken, if that is the case, the Lord of that servant will come in the day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. I'm going to make a statement right here, and I hope I don't make anybody mad. But do you want to find out where all the Joel Osteens are? They're right here. Those that think they are the servant of God, but they're mistreating God's people. They're mistreating the household of God. 
They're taking funds from them that they don't need to take. They're being, they're being that person that Christ mentioned over here that was had great goods and laying up this and laying up that and I'm going to tear down more barns and I'm going to get me a new plane and I'm going to get me a new house and I'm going to get me a new car. It's those servants that says the Lord delayeth is coming. It's those that think they're serving God when in reality they're serving themselves. The Kenneth Copelands, the, the, the Joel Osteens, those people that are mistreating the people of God. I'm talking about people that, that are, are taking funds from elderly people that are taking funds from people that don't have the means to provide for them and they're living sumptuously. They're living uh, high on the hog. They're living and, and having things that, that aren't necessary for life. Those things that aren't blessed by God. Those things that are they're, they're living off of the backs of God's people. God says, I'm coming in a time when they think not and I'll I'll cut them asunder and I'll give them their portion with the unbelievers. Why? Because they had they're 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 beating down the people of God. They're, how many? And and you say they're not beating down the people of God. Yes, they are. They're telling the people of God, if you can't live like I'm living, you don't have the right faith. If you can't live high on the hog like I'm living, then you don't have. You, you don't have the right kind of faith and they're, they're keeping the people of God beat down and God says, I'm going to come at a time that they think not. I'm going to cut them asunder and I'm going to give them their portion with the unbelievers. This servant is not a saved servant. This is an unbelieving servant. This is someone that thinks they're doing God a favor. Did we not look at, at, at a parable not long ago where, uh, where there were those that the Lord said, Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. It was not that they were saved and they did something wrong and God said, I'm going to cut you off. They never knew God. They were living in what they thought the servitude of God was, but they were not God's people. Look at what he goes on to say. And that servant who knew the Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. He is going to undergo the wrath of God. Again, this is an unbelieving servant. Someone that thinks they're serving God, but they're not. One that is taking liberties with the people of God that he need not to take. Look at what he says in verse number 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. The Lord's saying, he's basically laying out, if you did what you did knowingly, then it's going to be bad for you. If you did what you did half-heartedly, it's not going to be as bad, but it's still going to be bad. And if you did what you did unknowingly, 
then it's still bad, but it's not being quite as bad. For unto whomsoever much is given, to him shall much be required. And to whom men hath committed much. You see that? To whom men hath committed much, of him they will ask the more. What are you saying? Christ is getting the disciples to have their focus in the right place. What is your focus? What, what is the focus of God's people? If God's people have their focus right, they're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. And their, their drive, their efforts are because Christ loves them. And because Christ has shown His love to them. So Christ is telling Peter, He said, all these things that I told you before, if you don't understand, let me, let me reiterate. Here's the servants. There are some that say they're serving me, but they're really not. And they're going to have their portion. But He started out with those that knew God. And if you want to know the key to all of this parable, then look back up in verse number 35. Let your loins be girt about you and your lights burning. What are your loins girt with? The righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not what he told us? is part of the armor that, that our loins be girt about with the righteousness of Christ? The blessing in the Scripture, and that's what Christ is trying to get Peter to see, is those that are clothed in the righteousness of Christ will be headed in the right direction. They may not do everything right, but they're going to be the good servants that when Christ comes again, He's going to bless them and He's going to make them rulers over all. He's going to gird Himself and He's going to serve them. Who are they? They are those who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Don't, don't tear this portion of Scripture apart and try to say that God's saying this one was a servant, he was serving in what he thought was a capacity of serving God, but he was not. He was once again like the one that we started out with. He's serving himself. He's saying, sold, I'll tear me down barns and I'll build them bigger. It is those who are obedient to the master and following through and looking at the, the commands of the master. What are the commands of the master? Christ, Christ made the statement. He said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. What are his commandments? They are two. It is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And the second is likened unto it. Thou shalt love the neighbor, thy neighbor as thyself. 
Because Christ said, on these two hang all the law. He, he said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that you've seen, it's all hanging on loving God and loving your neighbor. How do you do that? You do that by knowing God. Because knowing God produces that in you. Knowing God. What is that eternal life? What is eternal life anyway? Jesus told us in John chapter 17, eternal life is to know God and to know Jesus Christ. That is eternal life. Knowing God and allowing God to work through you. You and I don't do the work anyway. God uses us to put forth those efforts. But it's not us working. It's God doing the work in us. If God did not produce in me love for my neighbor, I would not love my neighbor. And I'm not talking about just my next door neighbor. I'm talking about all of humanity. I would not love them. I know myself well enough to know that if it was not for the love of God, I, there would be people I would not love. But he produces in me that love for all. And that produces in us a working for the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Grant us, O Lord, that we rest in all the things that you have for us. Above all health and beauty, above all glory and honor, above all power and dignity, above all knowledge, above all riches, above all fame and praise, above all sweetness and comfort, above all hope and praise, above all, help us to love you. Help us to enjoy that love that you have for us and in turn enjoy that love that you produce in us for you and for your kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.